This week on the Higher Ed Shift, we're going to talk about new guidance from the Department of Education about the federal financial aid verification process. For those not familiar with verification, after completing the FAFSA, about 20% of students are selected by the Department of Education for verification, a process that has been outsourced to schools. The purpose of verification is to ensure accuracy of financial and personal information supplied on the FAFSA. In an unprecedented and never before seen move, the Department of Education enacted sweeping changes and leniency to verification in the middle of the 21-22 age year. We'll take some time to discuss how schools are reacting, what these changes mean, and some potential downstream impacts to state grant authorities, colleges, and even students. this first episode off. <laughs> yeah, starting is hard. Actually. Yeah, it totally is. We need something clever. Uh, Carlo? Yeah, now I stumped no, Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said you're the clever one. That's true. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't recording yet, is it? Because yeah, are we live? No, I, I said we're actually live. That we're live. I feel yeah. like that's a hot mic. <laughs> All right, so I think we've spent enough time not figuring out what our intro is going to be. Um, but I, as the practitioner and the project planner, had this amazing set of topics that we should talk about on our first three, four, six episodes. Uh, and then, like all things in life, the plan kind of got blown out of the water when two days ago, the Department of Education decided to let all of higher ed know that verification was, in essence, going away for the active year. Right? So I figured, hey, why not step out of my comfort zone and change it up, throw out all my scripting and be like, let's talk about what this means. You know, Chris, what does this mean operationally for, for schools from a technology standpoint when right. they're looking at their SIS, at their integrations? Carlo, does this have economic impacts? Right? And then I can just share my little thoughts on what my head my head would have exploded if I was still working at a school. In some ways, aren't you glad you don't work at a school today? <laughs> you know what? I'm actually not. This is the kind of thing that is fun for me. When you get one of these huge challenges and you need to figure out how to implement the insanity that is the Department of Education <laughs> on, on this, I don't know what you know, on the turn of a dime, whatever that is, like whatever my snap just was, that's actually fun for me. Well, that's probably a good place to even start as well, too, because this announcement just dropped out of nowhere. Okay, so what was it? What was the announcement? That they're going to get rid of, they're going to get rid of the V1 target group for ver verification for this award cycle, the current eight award year. For, yeah, for 21-22. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to, we're just going to focus on verifying for fraud, right? So statement of educational purpose, high school completion, super small, targeted, just one purpose of verification. Right. But I think most people don't even realize that there are multiple verification target groups, right? We what? just say verification, right? <laughs> yeah. Like people are getting verified, but they don't. It's actually really complicated. There's actually different target groups and some groups get selected by schools, some get selected by a statistical model. It's not just this very simple exercise where the Department of Education plucks names out of a hat and says, hey, congratulations, you've been selected to verify your financial data. That's not how it works. Right. It's not arbitrary. 
Right. Right. It's and, pretty sophisticated. And to your point, we've we've got a lot of different things that trigger verification, right? And so one of the things that actually concerns me for schools is we've got again national media that's putting out these headlines: verification is going away for the future aid year, and the reality is federal financial verification is going away for the current aid year, right? And there's like, I've started to see these headlines about the future year and I'm like, no, like let's slow our roll. The future aid year, that opens in October. Yeah. Well, and there's still, yeah, operationally, there's a lot of things now to, to figure out. So it's easy to say, take something away, stop doing something. Whenever you tell somebody to stop doing something, you think, oh, that's easy. And it's been amazing just in the few days since the announcement, talking to some of our customers, they're trying to wrap their head around stopping something that has been core to the way they operate, Yeah. right? And so uh, even though I think universally people feel like this is a, a, a good thing for students, uh, especially with the last year and a half that we've had and that students have had, that uh, it, it eases their burden. But for, for the, the, the school, for the practitioners, uh, it actually makes things more complicated, at least initially. Uh, you've got systems that are tied to this process, yeah. right? And your student information system, maybe other systems. Um, there's information that you are depending on that may not be there now, right? And you're gonna have gaps. And because we decided to do this in the middle of the year, you have students who have already completed verification, you have students who are in progress, and students who have been selected and haven't started, and now, and Amy, you know this, as, a, as, a, as an aid office, we now have to like split up these cohorts and figure out what the heck to do with them, yep. how to manage them. And uh, you know, a side note is that we as a company have always thought that verification is hard. Yeah. Right. Sure. And yeah. and for students and for staff. For students yeah. and for, for staff. Everybody. Sucks for everybody. Yeah. You know. Well, sucks feels like a really strong word. I have but appropriate. To say, <laughs> but appropriate. But I kind of have this love for verification. I do. Sick and wrong. It's <laughs> listen. I don't know. I feel like someone has to love it. Hey, it's a necessary process, though. Well, right? so like we get it. We so, understand why it exists. And I think we'll get into we we'll get into maybe a little bit of like why we need some form of verification. But, um, you know, at, at some schools, the, uh, the verification process was really hideous, just being honest. Um, you're, you're asking people to fill out paper forms um, with, especially with uh, a lot more remote students or distance education, or during the pandemic, it was even harder because you couldn't just bring your form to the financial aid office if you needed help. Mm -hmm. Uh, so schools that didn't have a, a good electronic online system, um, it was onerous. So, yeah. so again, it, it, it does feel good to say verification is going to be paused, um, but there are implications here, right, Amy? Yeah, totally. And, but to your point, one thing that I always find really intriguing is when we as a company like sit around our leadership table. And Greg looks at people and he says, "What can? how can you do less? What can you stop doing? And to your point about how easy it is to stop doing stuff, 
there's like a little bit of a visceral reaction at first where people are like, I can't stop doing that. There's nothing I can stop doing. Everything I do is important. Really right? important. That's really, why I do really, it. Really, really super important. Yeah. Um, and so so that idea of stopping is really hard. Um, and, and it's in particular when we look at the people, the students that are in that middle group, they've started something. They started to fill out their forms. They started to supply some paperwork because the department has told us you don't have to verify, but you have to clear conflicting information. Well, you know what's worse than verification? Conflicting information, yeah. right? Because there's no clear definition. It's so subjective. And your interpretation versus your boss's interpretation versus the interpretation of your auditor versus the interpretation of the person that comes in and does your program review, it's all- What's material? Right? Yeah, is, totally. is a bit subjective, yeah. The, the lesson to be learned here is you can't just pull the plug on a part of a process that's part of a whole bunch of other processes. Imagine a car driving down a road and you suddenly pull you pull the spark plugs, right? Is you that can't. bad? Well, kind of. I don't of. have a car and I don't drive. Is that like a bad thing? I thought the spark plug was just used to start the car. Do you need it to run? Yes, and that's <laughs> exactly. And that's if you want to keep going, and that is exactly oh. the point. When a car is driving, and you pull one piece out of the process, and you forget that that piece shapes a whole bunch of other pieces, like the whole car can come to a stop. So again, right? You can stopping verification is great in one sense, but at the same time, by stopping it, there's a lot of cascading things that that affects. Like what? Like institutional, the the distribution of institutional grant aid, uh, state grant aid, for example. You've already talked about the fact that there are some people who are in process yeah. who my understanding is that you stop the process now right like well, it's optional right so well, it's optional or not that's but the other regardless thing you have to communicate this to students all of a sudden and here here's here's the other thing too is that so in the announcement there were some things that also as a as an operator really hard to deal with you can choose to stop right. so you have the option this is optional um and it's temporary. So, so we stop doing things knowing that we're going to probably have to start doing them again. So pausing things is, so you got to undo it yep. and then you got to redo it. In like three months, by the way. Yeah. Right. And, and the, it's the a new age year starts in October. Yeah. And, and, and then I don't, I don't know that people outside of the financial aid world understand that financial aid years overlap so much. And so again, you're dealing with students and some students are in one year, some students are in the other year. You may be in both years and you've been selected for verification in in both years and one of them needs to be verified, one of them doesn't. The complexity that starts to happen when when policymakers come down with something. Because to your uh, point, this pause is only a single year and we've got two active aid years being processed at all right times. now. At all right times. Now, well, right now. Right, well, yeah, right now. And then soon one's going to yeah. stop and another, another new one's going to totally. start, right? And so you're going to have this train of verify, don't verify, verify. But make sure you don't have any conflicting information yeah, in there. And like, you don't have like any just conflicting information across. And um, so, in fact, what's supposed to be easier on students actually probably is going to end up being confusing for a lot of students because they're not going to really know a message like this that, hey, verification stops doesn't necessarily apply to you because it depends on what situation you're in or going to be in. Or what school you go to. 
we would all hope that the majority of our incoming class knows which college they're going to. But the reality is we could still have students that are trying to figure out which school they're going to attend. Right. And so you could be at X university and they're going to tell you, you don't have to complete verification. Like ignore all this stuff, verification has gone away. But you're also at Y institution who is deciding to continue with the verification process. Yeah. So the same student is getting told to stop and start at this, and I'm again, not a driver, but I'm pretty sure if you slam them on both the gas and the brake at the same time, is that bad for your car? It's bad for well, the this driver. Is, this is, <laughs> but you see, this is uh, uh, again, the perverse side of financial aid sometimes is that we make changes, we make policy decisions that we think are going to help the student, and they actually just make it worse because of the complexity. A couple weeks ago, we got another one of these where they said that where the, the Department of Education said we're no longer going to require proof of, of registration for selective service, mm -hmm. right, as an example. Um, well, and so they said we're no longer going to collect it. But Several states said, no, we still have that, that policy, right? Yep. right? So now uh, the complexity is, is, again, confusing to the student. I don't need to be registered for selective service unless I'm in California, Texas, New Jersey, you know, a handful of states. Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. I forget all the states, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, oh, by the way, as a, as a product development person, we, we love that kind of variance, right? Uh, that's, <laughs> that kind of flexibility is, is, you know, adds complexity to, to software products, too. I love too. it when we sit down and you ask me how something works, and I go, well, it depends. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> really hard to write code against it depends. But policy, like policy that affects people solely because they were born in the wrong state is not good policy, right? We well, don't that, try to design policy that seems a little unfair, so that it ad hocly affects yeah. people based on things that are like well beyond their control. And that's a sign of not well thought out policy. Nobody's saying necessarily that some of the things that the department does or wants to do may be good or bad in the long run, but how you go about doing it matters. And springing an announcement like this, I think it you know, it's, it's pretty clear that like it creates more questions than it answers. It opens up a lot of complexity. It creates confusion. And this is exactly what students don't need. This is exactly what schools don't need. Everybody's crawling out of a pandemic and full of uncertainty. And instead of reducing uncertainty, we actually just made more uncertainty. Yeah. So clearly, it's a hash. clearly to me in DC in general, we have a complete void of true higher ed practitioners making decisions yeah. because they're they're and i i appreciate people with good intentions the and heart I, was in the right place is what i say about this the heart was, was in the right place but then to to have zero comprehension of the impacts that you're having on state aid on institutional aid and to, to both your points right about the complexity the student experience we're not being thoughtful about the way we're actually implementing or the timeline. I mean, it's also, you're just being a bad partner. You're going to drop this on 6,000 institutions, both selective service and verification. You're claiming you're making the world better and easier, and you literally drop this on 6,000 institutions in the middle of the busiest time of the year. Yeah, they're already at peak. This is, this is why 
right? This is kind of why we have negotiated rulemaking. So, you know, had, had something like this been put before a group of stakeholders, a lot of this stuff would have been hashed out. Financial aid offices would have come to the table and said, did you think about this? Did you think about this? Yeah. You know, we need to handle How this. How are we going to operationalize the policy? Yeah. Right? It wouldn't be just bring the students to the table and say, hey, we think verification is burdensome and be like, okay, we're going to develop policy around that. We would bring all the actors to the table. We would get a rounded view and then we would thoughtfully craft policy. And that... That didn't happen. This go it alone because we know best approach without bringing the industry partners in fails, and you're seeing it fail right now. So. What what risk, Carlo, do you see from from a taxpayer's perspective to this? Yeah, well, I mean, again, like the the whole per I mean, verification is a business process. It's designed to reduce waste, fraud, and abuse. It minimizes improper payments. The department doesn't do a good job of providing data for like what the impact is. But there's an OIG report and an Ed Office Inspector General report from like 2019 that shows uh, improper payments on Pell were estimated at like 790 million in like 2017 in fiscal 2017, and like another. 620 million um, of improper direct loans um, uh, originated in 2017. But like $790 million in Pell is like 133,000 full Pells, right? Like yeah. that's a lot of money. And like I get people, you know, people say, oh, we shouldn't be trying to make people prove that they're poor. I get it. I'm sympathetic to that. But like as taxpayers, I also want to make sure that my money gets spent in the way that it was supposed to be spent. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's an important auditing function for any financial Good, good financial controls yeah. are there for a purpose, right? Yeah. I draw the analogy to the housing crisis. When we, when we got a little uh, aggressive on not verifying information, right. what happened? Yeah. You need guardrails. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I think the heart's in the right place about these students have been through a lot. We want to, uh, you know, give them a break. Um, but, you know, you do worry a little bit, or at least I do, of like, what's going to be the, what's going to be the ripple effect of that? What's going to be the unintended yeah. consequence? And part of it is, is that, is that you're actually... <laughs> distributing funds that could be distributed in, improperly, right? There could be a lot of waste when when we're when we're already as a as a as a nation talking about the cost of education, the the student loan debt, what's the value proposition of education, and then and then and then we say because we want to try and give the students a, a break, we're going to pull out all the controls. Well, that's like saying you know we're just going to to use Amy's car analogy, we're just going to take away the brakes, right? Right, because they're slowing you down from where where you want to go. But then you you spin out of control. Yeah, and in this case, for example, most of the FAFSAs for this aid cycle, a large percentage of them, have already been filed, right? Mm -hmm. At this point, yep. But like that new aid year is going to start October first. What's the worst case scenario? I'm a first time first year freshman. I don't have a FAFSA on file anyplace that I can compare against. And there's no audit control, right, yep. on what's going to happen. I think, Chris, I think you were talking about this. The ultimate worst case scenario is, you know, a high school student can basically come in and just essentially make the case that they should be a Max Pell. And there's no audit mechanism to stop that from happening. Or right? what happens if we put verification back in for 22-23? Because we've been told temporary, right? Yeah. They're reevaluating 22-23. So now, but all, like you're saying, all of these students and all of these individuals start thinking, oh, I got it. There's no verification. So then we get all of these 22-23 FAFSAs that all say zero income. Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. So what do we, so 
the when when you think about what that does against a new algorithm, yeah. it's it, like it just has this possibility of yo-yoing out of control. The great the great irony of all of this is we are turning off verification for millions of people and are going to have to ponder a situation where we're going to have to turn verification eventually back on for millions of people at the same time that there are very like high profile members of Congress who are claiming that we shouldn't be turning back on student loans because it's impossible to turn back student loans <laughs> right. on again. So how are we, I mean, like you're how almost can we even creating, justify this? you're creating the very scenario that you're already lamenting with student loan repayment, which is that if you turn this off, it's almost impossible to turn back on. And we're now going to see the exact same thing. Mark my words, six months from now or three months from now, somebody's going to say, well, how do we turn verification back on for millions of borrowers? We right. can't do that. Nobody's prepared to do that. And it's like, man, like... Who did saw that any, coming? Did any, yeah. Did anybody yeah. see that coming? I know three people who did. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> it's, the, it's the same thing. You know, I'm seeing a lot of stuff. We're heavy into infrastructure conversations and reconciliation, what's going to happen. So in the same week that I'm seeing remove the audit process and just give out all the grants that we that we can, I'm seeing things about double Pell Grant, free community college. So when you remove when you remove the controls and then you're like, I don't even know what this how this equates to the car analogy, but right, you're you're offering up more money and you're removing any of the, the oh, yeah, controls. You're, you're taking away the, the brake and you're applying more accelerator. You're removing right. the governor on yeah. the car, right? Yeah, so, I mean, let's so go drive a Hellcat with no brakes. <laughs> That's nice. the right reference. That's a good one, yeah. That was the right reference. Yeah, I would like, oh, to, get, I'd like wow. to get one of those. I feel like that should like be a wrap point for us. Yeah. Because it's not going to get any better. That's a wrap. We may have just... That's a wrap. Peak automotive metaphor has now been hit, right? So... But I mean, look, we all get that like nobody's in the business of trying to make it harder for paying for college for low income families. You know, nobody's trying to do anything to slow down the delivery of grant aid. We all want to make sure that the money that's available gets to the people who need it the most. Right. It's really easy for us to sit back and point out the struggles and the problems with this announcement that happened this week, because it isn't, you know, it's it does feel like it's not very well thought out that like you can pick apart this thing so easily and so quickly. But we should be thinking about how do you make verification better? You can't eliminate controls. There's no financial yeah. instrument. How do you balance you student experience with controls? Yeah. Because yeah. you have to have stewardship and and that's not going to be easy. Right. I that's want, not something that's going to be solved through a dear colleague letter. Exactly. I want every student who can get a grant and who's eligible to get a grant to get a grant at the same time. I want every taxpayer to know that their dollars are being spent prudently and wisely. Right. We have both sets of interests yeah. that the government has to balance. The government is not there to protect students. It's there to protect students and to protect taxpayers. And I think you have to do both. If you don't do both, you're doing a disservice from a policy standpoint. Yeah. No, I, I, think, that, I think that that's a really great kind of way of, of wrapping up, up the conversation. Like it is, you're right. It's easy. It's easy to point the finger at someone else and be like, you suck and you suck and you suck. Oh, suddenly uh, suck is a good word now. Uh, yeah. And now FYI, since you guys can't see it, I was pointing at Carlo. Um, <laughs> and then Chris. Um, but 
Right. So, I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff that that could have been done better. But really, what we need to keep the conversation going about is how we reshape the verification and the quality control process to be better for students and staff. Um, and so, you know, hope that hope that this was a lot of fun for everybody to listen to. I know I personally had a good time. Chris, you coming back for the next one? I will show up for the next one. I well, promise. that's because I'm going to put it on his calendar, and then I'm going to knock on his door and make him come. She hunts me down. I do. Uh, what about you, Carlo? Are you coming back? How could I not come back at this point? There's so many other things to talk about. I have so oh, many opinions. We're right? just getting wound up. I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, time I to go. I control like... Twitter, or I control the audioverse here, and also be able to talk about these things. <laughs> I feel like as well. I'm going to have to bribe them with coffee, laffy taffy, and coke. Um, but would would love to hear what other what you guys are experiencing. Um, if anybody wants to come join a conversation about what you're experiencing from the verification changes or something else at your institution, feel free to reach out to Carlo and I. Again, you can reach us on Twitter. Um, you can shoot us an email at studentfinancialsuccess@campuslogic.com. And uh, please make sure to follow along, like our listing, and keep coming back for more fun and maybe a little bit of wisdom. Maybe. maybe. And a better intro next time. Like we said. Like, better intro. Well, I'm still working on the outro. Okay. Like we got to we got to work on one at a time. Yeah, better intro, better <laughs> outro. Is outro a word? Outro is a word. Actually. Oh my gosh, does it mean what I think it means because I feel like if I just used it wrong I feel like you should just stick with your Hellcat thing and just realize that you stopped there at your metaphors that, and your that was, and that was and just good. go from that. Was that. Like, oh, that was okay. your winner already. Close. Today. What close? Leaving. We're leaving. We're leaving you all today, hopefully in a <laughs> better place time. than when Until we found time. you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys.